Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshanko, host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 7th, 2024. It's been 3,663 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 348 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. Our assessment that there would be a large-scale Russian missile and drone attack in response to the sinking of a Black Sea Fleet vessel and strikes on Russian oil refineries was regrettably accurate. 2. In our assessment, inaction by the United States Congress and Poland's declaration that it would defend its airspace more vigorously drove the Kremlin to test NATO's response to cruise missiles threatening Polish airspace. 3. The actions of Congress have significantly damaged the U.S. global standing as a trusted ally of democratic states and is causing a further increase in kinetic and hybrid warfare activity executed by Russia and its so-called axis of resistance of Belarus, North Korea, Iran and their proxies. 4. We maintain that the United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 5. We assess that the operational situation for Ukrainian troops in the Avdiivka area of operation remains critical, but we believe that part of the defensive lines on the north flank have been stabilized. 6. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient, regardless of the cost. 7. The armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages, particularly air defense missiles and artillery rounds, that are directly impacting the ability to continue active defense operations along the entire line of conflict. 8. In our assessment, Russian forces have not abandoned their operational objective to capture Chasivyar, west of Bakhmut. 9. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 10. Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating, and the Putin regime is fast-tracking its transition into a fascist state. In the medium and long term, this shift will further endanger global security and stability. 11. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat is not being taken seriously. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO. Positional fighting was reported in the area of Sinkivka, with no change in the situation. 
Kharkiv was hit by up to five S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for ground attack, or North Korean-sourced KN-23 short-range ballistic missiles, better known as SRBMs. Two people were injured, and commercial infrastructure was damaged. A two-month-old baby was killed in the February 6 SRBM attack on Zolochev, 35 kilometers northwest of Kharkiv. Three women who were pulled from the rubble of a destroyed hotel were also injured and are in hospital. The missile struck a civilian area in the southwest part of the settlement, adjacent to a bus stop, grocery store, cafe, pharmacy and other shopping areas. Thirty buildings were damaged or destroyed. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk oblast, mutual fighting was reported east of Terny, and a Russian attack in the direction of Yampolevka was repulsed. In the Lysychanskaya, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported attacks on Bilohorivka were repulsed. A geolocated video showed that Ukrainian forces made a small advance north of the village. GSAFU also reported fighting in the area of Hrohorivka on the north bank of the Siversky Donetsk River in the Luhansk Oblast. There were no territorial control changes. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In northeastern Donetsk Oblast in the Bakhmutayo, fighting remains limited, with battles continuing near Bogdanivka. In the Klishivkaio, mutual fighting was reported in the areas of Klishivka, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area of Andreevka. In southwestern Donetsk Oblast, the situation remains critical in the Avdiivka AO, after Russian forces made significant advances on February 3rd and 4th, but appear to have partially stabilized. There was very little information out of Avdiivka by either combatant, but that may be partially due to an internet outage in occupied Donetsk Oblast. Russian forces launched attacks in the direction of Novobakhmutivka, trying to retake lost positions and east of Stepove without success. East of the Avdivka coke plant to the H-20 highway, the situation remains dynamic. In our assessment, Russian and Ukrainian troops remain mixed together, with no clear line of conflict. There were over 70 Russian attacks in the Avdivka, Marienka and Vogladareyos, indicating that intense fighting continues. Ukrainian war correspondent Yuri Butusov reported that soldiers with the 110th Mechanized Brigade were engaged in intense fighting and suffered significant losses. Quote, All day I saw how our people desperately fight for Avdivka, in what conditions, how they literally lack everything, and they ask volunteers to buy them weapons and supplies. Unquote. A February 5th video from Dutch humanitarian aid volunteers showed the evacuation of two women and their pets from old Avdiivka. Our geospatial team geolocated several areas in the video. At 1 minute and 12 seconds, the car is traveling west of Mayakovskoho Boulevard, just past the train tracks, passing a distinctive block of apartment towers. At 1 minute 52 seconds, the car is traveling northwest on Hrushevskoho Street and passes the remains of Café Kyiv. At 2 minutes and 5 seconds, the car turns west onto T-542 highway, the main ground line of communication, or G-Log, that's a supply line, that supports Ukrainian forces defending Avdiivka. This is the same location where Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky took a selfie on December 29, 2023. There was little change to the condition of the road, and no Ukrainian vehicles were destroyed on the approach to the Avdiivka coke plant. 
the video would have required approval from the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, so it does not violate operational security. Our geospatial team noted the aid group would have passed within 500 to 900 meters of the southernmost claimed Russian position. In our assessment, that claim is dubious. At the start of the evacuation, there were no sounds of artillery or gunfire. And in the background, another civilian woman walked down the middle of the street. May those who did this be cursed, one of the women said as they passed Café Kyiv. <laughs> Talking through sobs, she added, quote, My hometown, the place where I was born and raised, is gone. Mom can't see this horror. People lived peacefully here. Dear God, what are we being punished for? Unquote. The women and their pets, including a stray dog that jumped into the car, were safely evacuated to Pokrovsk. We'll link to the emotionally powerful video in our daily situation report, and there is more information in the podcast description. Moving to assessment. The video shows that Russian forces have destroyed Avdiivka while the main lock into the city remains secure. The video was recorded on February the 5th, and the route passed very close to areas Russia claims to control. The video seems to suggest that defensive lines were becoming more stable, at least near the Avdiivka coke plant. The head of the Avdiivka city military administration, Vitaly Barabash, said, quote, There are no street fights in Avdiivka. Sometimes DRGs, sabotage and reconnaissance units, come in, on which our military works. If they enter the city and our guys eliminate them, then there is a shooting battle, and the townspeople get the impression that these are street fights. It is not about a large number of people who entered and took some positions in the city, unquote. Quick assessment. Based on the evacuation video, this claim is accurate, and Russian forces are likely further north than currently mapped. On the southern flank, significant fighting continued in the area of the Tsarska Ohota resort. Further west, Russian forces tried to advance through the no-man's land between Vodyane, Severne and Tonenke without success. Fighting was ongoing in the eastern part of Pervomaiske and east of the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelska. In the Marinka AO, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance in the direction of Georgievka without success. A Russian attack from the southern edge of Marinka in the direction of Pobeda was repulsed by Ukrainian drones and artillery. Based on new intelligence, there was a small adjustment to the line of conflict. In the Vogledarejo, over a dozen significant Russian attacks northeast and southeast of Novomikhailovka were repulsed. The only reports of fighting in the Staromlinivka AO came from Russian sources. Armod claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the areas of Staromayorske and Orozhaina. Multiple Russian sources reported fighting continued north of Priyudne, with no change in the situation. North of occupied Mariupol, insurgents reported a large explosion after a missile strike on a Russian air defense battery in Kremenivka. In occupied Donetsk, illegitimate leaders of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic claimed that almost 1,200 teaching positions are unfilled and the, quote, lack of official housing is making it difficult to recruit teachers. Amazing! They are having a hard time finding people who want to live under the threat of forced mobilization with no electricity, water, heat, sewage services, price gouging at stores, Russian troops that steal, and under martial law.
Zaporizhia oblast, there continues to be only light positional fighting in the Urihivyo. Russian attempts to advance west of Verbove and Robotene failed. The Secretary-General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, Rafael Grossi, was in Kyiv to meet with Ukrainian officials about the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, ZNPP. Grossi and the Minister of Energy, Herman Halushchenko, the chairman of the State Nuclear Regulatory Inspectorate of Ukraine, Oleg Korikov, and the head of Ukraine's state-run nuclear energy firm Energoatom, Petro Kotin, held a private meeting. During a joint press conference, Grossi said, quote, The fate of the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe and the consequences of a problem there exceed a merely technical aspect. These are issues of a global concern for international peace and security. So this is why, for me, beyond the tactical aspects, it is also important to have a conversation on the fundamental implications of what is happening there, now and in the future." Unquote. He added that the NPP should have more than 10,000 employees, and the plant is short-staffed by 50%. This contradicts Gross's report from February 1, when he reported that the plant had 11,500 employees before the Russian occupation and currently only has 4,500, a 39% staffing level. The nuclear fuel in all six reactors is reaching the end of its life, which, quote, poses an additional threat, according to Minister Halushchenko. Grosser responded, saying, quote, We will insist on conducting the deepest possible assessment of the technical condition on our part. More assessment. We are increasingly concerned with the IAEA's inability to clearly and without concern of political repercussions provide a public and accurate assessment of the situation at the NPP. While we respect that Grossi is walking a political tightrope, comparing the level of cooperation received at the NPP to Iran and North Korea as a positive smacks of both sidesism. In our final assessment, given the documented deteriorating condition of the plant, the dialogue from the IAEA does not serve the interests of Ukraine, Europe or Russia. In the Kherson EO, fighting continued in Krynke and the forests to the south, with Ukraine advancing further west in the village. Russian mercenary blogger Wogonzo broke the silence about the situation on the left bank of the Konka River, writing, quote, The victorious reports of some military officers that the Ukrainian marines are only thinking about how to return to the right bank do not correspond to reality. However, there are still no special prospects for both warring parties in this area, unquote. More assessment. A surprisingly sober assessment from the Russian blogger community giving the apparent demand from the Kremlin not to discuss the situation in the Kherson EO. The truth matters, and we agree with Pegov's assessment that Ukrainian troops aren't being crushed, as claimed by male bloggers such as two mages. Likewise, we agree that Russia is incapable of collapsing the bridgeheads without a lot more resources which aren't available. However, Ukraine can't advance deeper until they better secure the wet crossings over the Dnipro and Konka rivers. In Boroslav, Russian drone operators dropped three IEDs on civilians awaiting humanitarian aid, wounding two. Russian forces shelled the village of Tokarivka, killing one civilian and severely wounding another. We've got news from the Black Sea, occupied Crimea, Mykolaiv and Odessa regions. 
In the Black Sea, the Special Operation Forces of Ukraine launched Operation Citadel, destroying a radar station on the Boyko Tower closest to occupied Crimea. Ukrainian forces secured the station, mined the radar and drone operations equipment, and destroyed the Russian forward operating base. We'll link to the video of the operation in our daily situation report. There is more information in the podcast description. In Mykolaiv, Shahid-136 one-way drones struck the city, damaging 20 residential buildings and killing one person. A gas pipeline was ruptured and civilian infrastructure was damaged. Here are the recent developments in northern and northeastern Ukraine. In Kyiv, debris from an intercepted missile struck an apartment building in the Holosivsky district, severely damaging the upper floors and sparking a large fire. 52 people are homeless. By the time of recording, four people were confirmed killed and another 14 wounded. The head of the Kyiv city military administration, Serhii Popko, reported a service station was also hit, wounding two and destroying at least 40 cars. Search and rescue operations are ongoing. Two high-voltage power lines were damaged, knocking out power to some parts of the capital. In the Chernihiv oblast, Russian artillery destroyed farming equipment near Novgorod-Siversky. Agricultural buildings and machinery were damaged, but there were no injuries. Poland took stronger measures during Russia's attack on Ukraine. Two Russian cruise missiles lingered along the Poland-Ukraine border for up to 20 minutes, including making two approaches toward the Polish border. During the attack, a United States Air Force KC-135 aerial refueling aircraft moved to eastern Poland. With reports of two cruise missiles approaching Polish airspace, the general staff of the Polish Air Force released a statement on Twitter, also known as X. Quote, we warn that Polish and Allied aircraft have been activated, which may result in increased noise levels, especially in southeastern part of the country. Unquote. About 10 minutes later, there were multiple reports that three Polish Air Force F 16s were deployed to the southeastern corner of Poland to intercept at least one of the Russian cruise missiles. We cannot confirm that there was any missile intercept by Ukraine or Poland at this time in this region. Moving to assessment. Regardless of whether there was an intercept or not, the cruise missiles Russia used operate using predefined flight paths. Today's threat of an airspace violation was a signal from Moscow that any display of weakness results in an act of aggression. Since Poland indicated it would intercept Russian missiles deemed a threat to their airspace, the provocation appears to have been a test of will and response. In our assessment, partial responsibility for this Russian provocation lies with the United States. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Here is my theater-wide update. 
On February the 6th and the 7th, Russia launched 20 Iranian-sourced Shahid-136 one-way drones, 29 KH-101-102, or KH-55-555 cruise missiles from 10 to 95 MS strategic bombers, 4 KH-22 supersonic cruise missiles from 222 M3 strategic bombers, 3 caliber cruise missiles from the area of Novorossiysk, Russia, 3 Iskander-M SRBMs from occupied Crimea, 1 KH-59 guided air-to-surface missile, and 5 S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack from Belgorod. 26 subsonic and 3-caliber cruise missiles, 1 KH-59 missile and 15 Shahid-136 UAVs were intercepted. The number of attacks by Russian ground forces increased again, with 126 combat clashes reported by Ukraine. We maintain our assessment that Russia will significantly increase pressure theater-wide for political reasons, with sham presidential elections in Russia 34 days away. Ukraine military analyst Oleksandr Kovalenko reported that the Kremlin is stepping up pressure on the Ministry of Defense to capture Avdiivka and clear Ukrainian forces from the left banks of the Konka and Dnipro rivers within two weeks. Reportedly, Russia wants to have a victory to report when Putin makes his annual address to the Federal Assembly. The Verkhovna Rada approved the extension of martial law and mobilization for another 90 days in a 335-020 vote. Drones continue to change the battlefield. Ukraine published a video recorded by a drone showing an uncrewed ground drone retrieving a Russian Orlan-10 reconnaissance drone that had been brought down by electronic warfare. The Orlan 10 stores its images on an onboard SD card, which can be reviewed by Ukrainian intelligence. Yes, we link to the video. President Zelensky signed a decree establishing a new separate branch of the armed forces of Ukraine, the Unmanned Systems Forces. Quote, Drones, unmanned systems, have proven their effectiveness in battles on land, in the sky and at sea. Ukraine has truly changed the security situation in the Black Sea with the help of drones. Repelling ground assaults is primarily the task of drones. The large-scale destruction of the occupants and their equipment is also the domain of drones. The current list of tasks is clear. Special staff positions for drone operations, special units, effective training, systematization of experience, constant scaling of production, and the involvement of the best ideas and top specialists in this field." Unquote. The commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Ukraine, General Valery Zaluzhny, modified the rules governing the accreditation of journalists during martial law. Accreditation will last for 12 months instead of six, and special permission will no longer be required to access areas in the yellow zone. The route of travel will have to be approved by the commander of the respective military group. The Turkish company Baikar has broken ground on its Ukrainian drone factory, which will be online within a year. The CEO of Baikar, Haluk Bayraktar, said, quote, Despite the war, these plans are in full swing, and nothing can stop them. Unquote. The factory will employ 500 and use engines assembled in Ukraine. About 120 drones will be produced a year and contracts with Ukraine, Libya, Azerbaijan and Ethiopia have already been signed. Ecuador confirmed it was transferring six OSA AKM Gecko short-range air defense systems to the United States, which will likely be sent to Ukraine. National Security Advisor to U.S. President Joe Biden, Jake Sullivan, 
is in Brussels, Belgium, to talk with NATO alliance officials about continued support for Ukraine and how to respond to growing Russian aggression. The chief diplomat for the European Union, Josep Borrell, visited Kyiv to discuss continuing financial and military aid. President Biden demanded that Congress immediately approve the Senate Compromise Bill for border security, immigration reform and aid for Ukraine. During his statement, he acknowledged that the bill would likely never be brought to a vote. All indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't even know it helps the, the, the country. He's not for it. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. The Speaker of the House led bill to provide $17.6 billion in standalone military aid to Israel failed to pass, with 14 Republicans and 166 Democrats voting against the legislation. The bill received 250 favorable votes, well short of the 287 required. After the Israel aid vote failed, Congressperson Marjorie Taylor Greene warned that if Speaker Mike Johnson puts a standalone bill on the floor for Ukraine aid, she will file a motion to vacate on the same day. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer warned that Ukraine could disappear without further aid. Quote, we are at a turning point in America. This bill is critical, and history will look back on this and say, did America really fail? Why? Is it important? If we don't help Ukraine, Putin will march all over Ukraine. We will lose the war, and in a few years we could be fighting in Eastern Europe as part of a NATO ally. Donald Trump said, well, wait until I become president. It will take at least a year. Ukraine could disappear. Unquote. The U.S. Senate goes on a two-week recess starting Saturday and won't return until February the 26th. If you're wondering about our United States team, they asked me to pass along that, no, they are not okay. And probably I needn't mention how Ukrainians, including me, feel about between-the-lines idea that our lives are supposedly negligible. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.